Hi, and welcome back to this week two edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. With your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dwight. So we had so many big upsets week one, so many surprises. So along with breaking down each and every matchup of this week two slate of games, we're also going to try to separate what we think is real and what we think was just a week one fluke. So Shai, let's start right away because it's game time. So we'll start with the Thursday night game and that being the New York football giants traveling to the nation's capital and facing the Washington football team. And Shai, I guess I'll start us off here and just talking about the Giants and their la- their loss against those Denver Broncos. It was a game that was, you know, it was close in my mind at least for the majority of it, but things just started to unravel and kind of spiral out of control. You know, you had a big fourth down conversion at midfield that led to a touchdown with eight seconds left in the first half and then in the opening uh, drive for the Broncos in the second half, another big fourth down conversion where it looked like you were going to get a stop, a possible sack. Bridgewater gets out of trouble. Missed tackle by Blake Martinez leads to a touchdown. So, you know, all these, uh, the Giants offense has gotten a lot of heat and deservedly so over these last few days for their performance on Sunday. But this defense, which I think is still the strength of the team, and I think it's better than what they showcased on Sunday does have to improve it does have to get better I think it was fair to maybe uh, assume some regression from guys like Bradbury Blake Martinez and you know the coach uh, Patrick Graham their defensive coordinator but you know guys like Adoree Jackson who you know their big free agent acquisition has to step up Aziz Ojulari got a lot of pressure but couldn't always finish the play he has to work on finishing and then you look on the other side Washington competitive game against uh, those Chargers, but the Chargers kind of just showed that they were the better team, and some great throws by Herbert kind of made sure they wouldn't get the ball back late. I, I mean, I'm gonna go with the I'm going with the Washington football team, but I think this is really just two you know meh football teams. I know, you know we can rave all we want about that defense of Washington, and I know the Chargers have a very good offense, but that Washington defensive line did not did not have a great performance against a Chargers offensive line that is much improved, but I still thought had a couple question marks early on in the season with some of their younger guys. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to err on the side of Washington here. It's it's going to be a competitive game. Um, let's not misconstrue that. It's NFC East football. The game is in uh, Washington, I believe. It's It's going to be a game that's simply put, going to be decided, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, The Washington defense is uh, better than than the Giants, but again, you said they did not wreak havoc against the Chargers. It is a much improved offensive line, but I think um, there's just more continuity there on on the defensive end, and I think this is a this is kind of a scenario where I'm gonna call a little bit of a week one. Oh, and I, I shy, you know, shy and I are virtual today. Shy, I think we we lost you there for a bit. Um, well, and I guess kind of maybe to to wrap up this game and what shy was getting at is just I think we know more what we uh, see from Washington. You know, they're just a good, solid, all around team. 
and that where their defense is especially specifically their defensive line has played together more and you know we've seen more from last year and a guy to watch uh I think in this game is Andrew Thomas. I know Bradley Chubb didn't play for Denver last week, but Thomas had a great game uh, against that Denver defensive line. You know, if you want to look at, like, run block win rate, I think he was second in the NFL, and he was about, you know, a mid-tier offensive tackle one in terms of pass block win rate week one. So although the competition gets much, much steeper this week, Thomas had a much improved showing week one against a Broncos defensive line that even without Bradley Chubb is still pretty solid. So, Shai, now let's start with the week with the Sunday slate, and let's start off with an- another East Division rival game. This time in the AFC, the New England Patriots traveling to take on the New York Jets. Both teams starting the season 0-1. Patriots play decently against the Dolphins. Obviously, couldn't come out with a close one, but I think Mac Jones was definitely a welcome sight to Patriots fans that did not see great quarterback play in 2020. Yeah, the the Mac Jones was one of the bright spots um, of that game for the Patriots offense. You have a lot of errors, I think, in that game. A lot of things that would frustrate uh, Patriots fans and probably drove Bill Belichick crazy. You have two key fumbles by running backs, uh, and this is a team that wants to run the ball despite not having you know. Uh, a showy running back, Damian Harris is going to be their starter, but a very good offensive line uh, that's going to help uh, this offense and this young quarterback. Mac Jones, I think, uh, was very much as advertised. He made a lot of the right reads. He was fairly accurate with the ball, and I think he's going to execute kind of that short, you know, passing game that that Josh McDaniels wants to run. You know, when when they're not leaning on the on the run. So, I I think that they're gonna get in the win column here um, against the Jets. The Jets put up a good fight; they really did last week against the Panthers. I just think that this Patriots defense is significantly better, in my opinion, than uh, Carolina's, and they're much and they're better coach, especially on the back end. And it's going to have make Zach Wilson. Uh, have to throw in the tight coverage, and we see rookie quarterbacks make mistakes, Alex. Yeah, and I just think, you know, Mekhi Becton's out this week, so I think that Jets offensive line is going to get worse. And again, you're facing a very good defense in New England. And look, I think if the Jets build around Wilson the right way, I think Wilson has a much higher ceiling than Mac Jones. But week two, game two of their pro careers, I think Mac Jones is more... I don't know if proven's the right word, but more, I guess, even keel or steady player at this stage in their so far very short careers. And I just trust the supporting cast around Mac Jones, both on the offensive and defense side of the ball, more than I do Zach Wilson. I'll also be interested to see for Mac Jones is, you know, we kind of think about uh, of Nelson Aguilar as like a boomer bust guy, a guy who has a great game one week and is nowhere to be seen the next. He had a very good game with Mac Jones week one. So I'm interested to see, like, is that a fluke? Or do they really or do they really form a connection maybe in uh, training camp or the preseason games? And will that carry on maybe more consistently than we're accustomed to seeing from a caliber from a guy of Nelson Aguilar's caliber? So we're both going with the Patriots. We just think the Jets are a more raw team that's looking more uh, down the line than New England is. So let's go now to the aforementioned Denver Broncos taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars as 
I don't know what to say about this Jaguars team. I, I, there's a case to be made. I think them, maybe Atlanta, that they had the worst week one. I mean, they got blown out by a Texans team that was the laughing stock of the league. The Texans were the laughing stock of the, of the league this time last week, and it wasn't a contest. Houston was by far the better team. Urban Meyer was outcoached. And Shai, I'll ask you this. Is it an overreaction after just one game or one week to say the clock has already started to tick on Urban Meyer's time with the Jacksonville Jaguars? I would say it's a little bit of an overreaction, but not completely. We look at that game, and it just felt like something was fundamentally off with Jacksonville. The plays that Houston was making against them, um, especially you know on that Jacksonville defense, it, it, it almost and the Jacksonville offense. Lawrence did not. I mean, I know the statistics might not show he was terrible, but Lawrence did not look good. And for a guy who was supposed to be the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or even John Elway, again, it's one week, but is it that you know far-fetched to say that Trevor Lawrence was the worst rookie quarterback week one? I, you know, I really don't think it's, it, it's far-fetched at all. I think that's something where I would say it's an overreaction because we're going in... No, and I'm saying one week. I, I'm not saying Lawrence will be the worst, but I'm thinking, like, based on last week alone... I think Trevor Lawrence was the worst quarter, had the worst rookie quarterback That's performance. That's fair, but I, I, I think it's more fair to judge, obviously, uh, a, a head coach based off one week's performance. And that's very fair. But when I say that about Lawrence, my concerns aren't with Lawrence. My concerns are the Jacksonville Jaguars as an Oregon as an organization to say, look at guys who are a lot more raw than Lawrence is, like a Zach Wilson who played better against a better defense. You know, Again, Carolina might not have a great defense, but Houston might have the worst defense in, in football. So for me, that just shows that the Jacksonville Jaguars, from an organizational standpoint, are not supporting their franchise savior, as we like to call Trevor Lawrence, the right way. And I, that's just... It's one week, but there are a ton of questions and concerns about that Jaguars team offensively defensively from a coaching standpoint and from a front office standpoint because it would not surprise me if what we saw continues and that's something wrong with the organization and not Trevor Lawrence so Denver Broncos are just a better all-around team and I kind of think Denver's going to make life really difficult on Lawrence yeah I think again I've been saying this Denver's a sneakily underrated team they're complete that defense looked good Teddy Bridgewater had himself a nice game uh finding uh, targets like Noah Fant uh, early and often. Um, Pat it, Shermer, uh, it, the, I'll say this, because Pat Shermer failed as a head coach, it's almost made him underrated as an offensive coordinator. Right. I. So I really, I'm expecting Denver to run away with this game. What I would say about Urban Meyer is it just seems like a lack of preparation. And to me, I got concerned, truly, when they decided to take Travis Etienne at the 26th pick in the NFL draft this year, because that I, not only was it puzzling to get a running back when you have a guy like James Robinson who's proven... It's puzzling to take a running back in the first round, period, let alone 25th overall. You know, this wasn't... I mean, it wasn't, right. you know, the 32nd, maybe with the Chiefs... And we saw the Chiefs took a running back 32nd, and they probably regret it. And, and you're talking about a team that's not... And it's not even like... The Jacksonville Jaguars are one piece away. No, but Jacksonville Jaguars are 
multiple, multiple, multiple pieces and years away, and you decide to make that decision. I, I, I just think there's there's something there's definitely something off there, and yeah, there people have the right to be concerned in Jacksonville, but I wouldn't. Uh, you know, light your pants on fire just yet with the whole Trevor Lawrence situation. But we're both taking Denver to obviously, uh, you know, take care of business here. So now let's let's wrap up the AFC East, another division matchup. The Bills taking on the Dolphins. Bills having a really rough game with the Pittsburgh Steelers as, you know, Josh Allen, I think maybe the most common player to be picked to win the MVP award this year. He had some nice plays. Uh, the touchdown to Gabriel Davis was an excellent throw. But overall, I think people just expected more from Allen. And obviously, the Steelers have a great defense, and potentially they can be the number one defense in the NFL this year. But even against a great defense like Pittsburgh, I think people expected just more from that Buffalo offense, and specifically Josh Allen. I'm still going to go with the Bills here because I do think they're a better team. And as great as that Dolphins defense is, I do think it's slightly worse than Pittsburgh. So I, I life should be made a little bit easier on Allen. But hey, it would not surprise me if the Dolphins are able to hang with Pittsburgh early, or excuse me, hang with Buffalo early. I, I think the Bills might be able to pull pull it out late or kind of pull ahead late, and maybe the score indicates more of a blowout. But through three quarters or so, it would not surprise me if this is a close game. I really like what Miami's doing it with Tua. He's kind of a game manager. It's kind of, you know, let the defense do its work, get the ball to your playmakers, and just convert those key third downs. And he was... A, Tua's at this point in his career seems to really fit into that into that role with Miami. So I do think the Dolphins will be able to keep this game close early, but I just think talent will take over late. And for me, the the talent side that follows with Buffalo. Yeah, this is a game where I don't want to say week one fluke, but I think there's something here where there's a lot. I think there was a more to like from Buffalo than what people are taking away. I I and especially in that Buffalo defense. I really was impressed with the way that I mean, they essentially neutralized the Pittsburgh offense from much of the game. In the second half they were able to move the ball more. But let's not forget a lot of the Steelers points came from long Boswell field goals and a, a, blo- a blocked punt. Uh, a blocked punt that was returned for for a touchdown. And a pass to Deontay Johnson, which was really spectacular, but I feel like th- those plays are really great by the receiver, but Levi Wallace had a hand on that ball. It's a good defense, just happens to be, you know, I don't even want to say better offense, but it's right place, right time. And obviously a great play by him, but my point is Buffalo played great defense, and it's just they were just seemed to tick off from the start of the game, and I think that's something that's just week one jitters from uh, a, a quarterback. And Josh Allen has a lot of expectations on, on his shoulders. He had only really one play where I said, "Wow, that's like that's a head scratcher," and he about he airmailed Emmanuel Sanders, who was running free uh, down the Pittsburgh seam, who would have had him for a touchdown, uh, which would have really changed the course of that game. That's how close the game was, um, but. I'm just I'm not I'm not gonna pat the Steelers on the back as a Steelers fan, but the defense there was not a lot of room for error or room to work with Josh Allen and he took care of the football pretty well besides that one fumble. Um, so I, I really like the Bills to, to get back on track here on a Dol- against a Dolphins team 
that, you know, wasn't very dominant last week against the Patriots, starting a rookie quarterback. And I really expect Tua to have some issues against this Buffalo defense and defensive line, which was assertive last week. Yeah, I do think uh, where, where Buffalo could start to pull away late is I think that defense will make life difficult on Tua and definitely force an interception or a couple of turnovers in this one. So let's go. Niners coming off a game that we thought would be a blowout, and all of a sudden, probably things got a little too interesting for their comfort against you know the Niners against the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles, who maybe they had the surprise of Week One when they destroyed destroyed the Atlanta Falcons, thirty two to six. I think that game. I think Philly is better than maybe we gave them credit for heading into the year. And I think also Atlanta's that might be that bad. I still think the Eagles are a mediocre team at best, although I think maybe they do have more in Jalen Hurts than we suspected initially. I think Hurts could have a decent game, and I think the and I think maybe we criticize Nick Sirianni too soon. I definitely think Sirianni has done again, it's only one week, but through week one, I actually really like what Sirianni has done with that offense, specifically Jalen Hurts. But I still think this is a team that's rebuilding. As I said, I think they're nothing better than a mediocre team. So I do expect the Niners, who are just really well-rounded, so well-coached well coached as well. Uh, and there's, they just have that proven track record that Nick Sirianni doesn't and Kyle Shanahan does. So I like the Niners to win here, even though it is in Philly. But I do think Philly has more reasons for optimism than we initially gave them credit for heading into week one. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I think the Eagles really came out and showed um, that that they're you know a, a solid uh, coach team, but that 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 defense is not as as, as horrific as, as some might have thought, and that Jalen Hurts can play a little bit. I I'm really looking here though on the Niners side of things. To me, this game is about two things for them. Can Jimmy G sustain that level of play? And I thought he had a pretty good game last week. He may Detroit. have been facing the worst defense in football, though, in the Lions. Like, the Lions' defense is nothing to write home about. It's really bad. But the Eagles' defense isn't, isn't great either. It's, just, it's a little bit of a step I think up. it's better than it's we not. initially thought. It's better than we initially thought, but I agree with you. I don't think... It's nothing to write home about either. Right. So I think... Uh, I'm looking for him to have uh, have uh, another nice game, and I'm really a little bit concerned about that Niners defense giving up 33 points to the Detroit Lions. I know a lot of that came in the last two minutes, 17 points, I believe, in the last two minutes, which is very you know hokey. But then then again, you have to you have to stay controlled, and you you know get Jimmy G through a pick at the end of that game. But it, you have to kind of stay controlled and and especially against a Lions offense that's really really atrocious I, is I'm, it I'd be looking for like to... I don't love the Lions offense but I do think like they have a good offensive line I think some of they have like decent pieces who can make plays TJ Hawkinson DeAndre Swift and I think like Jared Goff isn't a great quarterback but I mean I think at some points we we're making him out to be the worst quarterback in the NFL which I think is unfair to him so although I don't love this Detroit offense I don't hate it. At the, I don't. I don't think I hate it as much as you do. I do think it's a decent offense. And keep in mind, 
I, th- I believe Debo Samuel fumbled. They recovered an onside kick. Detroit did. So the defense was also put in tough, tough decisions late. And keep in mind, they were probably playing more prevent defense late in the game when earlier it was more, you know, more kind of one-on-one, more to their liking in terms of tight, tighter coverage. My point is, it, you should not be in a scenario where the Lions have a chance to tie the game with a minute left in the fourth quarter within a score. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me for a team that I think has so much potential uh, this year, uh, especially on defense that's so talented. I'm just ex- I, I expect them to, to bounce back here in Philly. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Detroit. Uh, I mean not Detroit uh, with San Francisco with the Niners um, to win here. And I also don't I don't even with the Raheem Mostert injury. I don't think this this uh, Eagles defense is going to be able to keep up with the the running scheme that Kyle Shanahan's going to throw at them. I don't know if any team will be, even with the most hurt injury. Uh, the Niners basically plan for these type of injuries. It, I, I, I think one of us, do you think one of us could maybe even get a few yards behind, you know, behind that offensive line and in Kyle Shanahan's scheme? I don't know. I, I maybe. I mean, I don't think you don't we. Have to do that, Alex. I don't know if we could, but I think maybe the next level up. Yeah, you know, we're not even for uh, you know even for us or people our age, we're not really the most athletic. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so we're both taking the Niners to start the season two and zero against two teams that are subpar. So now let's go. The Indianapolis Colts hosting another NFC West team. This one being the LA Rams, and that Rams offense, I feel like was everything we expected Sunday night. Yeah, you know, I feel like if the Rams could have a perfect offensive game and all the hype surrounding, they lived up to it. In my mind. Matthew Stafford looks like the guy that I think we all thought he could be. I mean, and you just saw the joy uh, in his in him when he threw that. You know, he throws the long touchdown to Van Jefferson. He seems like just a new player, a new man, because he knows he, he knows the difference between what he was in and now and now the situation he's in with McVay and all the playmakers around him and just the organization that he's in now. So I think Stafford's going to continue to have this huge year. The Colts are a solid team. I like the Colts, but they had a, like, Seattle, I picked Seattle to win last week, but they had a pretty disappointing showing in my mind against the Seahawks team that I thought, yes, they're better, but I thought the Colts could have made it close. I thought the Ram- I think the Rams are a better team than the Seahawks, and I'm not saying they'll win in a blowout, but I think the Rams should, should win this one. Yeah, this is a tough game for me to pick. It's one of two games that I was really struggling with. I, I think the Rams are, are better, but I'm expecting a strong showing from Indianapolis. Um, I think getting another week under their belt, just becoming a li- maybe a little bit more, uh, guys like Quinn Nelson and Carson Wentz, just become a little bit more comfortable out there coming off of injury. I, I know that this Rams defense is multiple tiers above the Seattle one that they played last week. Um, but if I think if any offensive line has a chance of slowing down Aaron Donald, that, is that that Colts line though? Eric Fisher's not playing, I believe, and we don't know how healthy Quentin Nelson is coming off. He had the foot surgery that he came back on the really early side, so I don't know if that Colts offensive line is really healthy. So although I still think they're strong, they're not as strong as can be. They still have a strong interior to that line though, which is where no, Aaron they Donald do. Line. 
They do. And I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think at, as strong as they can be, they're the best offensive line in football. I think they're still a strong offensive line, but I don't you know, are they more in the 5 to 7 range? I think, you know, they which being number 1 and being you know number 6, that is a pretty decent drop off, especially when you're going against someone like an Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think this this game for me is just going to come down to who wins in the trenches. It's it it seems like a like a cliche thing we throw out. Um I don't know. Maybe, After seeing their performance last week, I don't know if McVay will care about that. Maybe not, because they Stafford was just throwing rockets. I'm gonna go with the Rams. I don't think the Colts um, quite have the firepower. Not yet, uh, at least. It has not to come. Yet. It has to come between Wentz and Pittman and Pascal and Campo. It has to come to keep up the explosion of of what. Stafford to that Rams offense um, on Sunday night. And I also just, I, I, this, the Colts defense is really strong, but it, the Rams just, they, they looked really good. The, the, the Colts are known for being really, really good up front. The secondary is not a, I don't want to say a weakness. There are questions though. Uh, I think, I think we lost shy again as a brief, brief technical difficulties. Um, but no, so we're we're both going with uh, the Rams to to beat the Colts. Rams starting two and zero, and Colts in a bit of a hole at zero and two. So now, shy, let's go to your Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. As for me, Shai, I don't know about you, the Raiders were one of the biggest pleasant surprises of week one. As, oops, I guess Shai's still having some technical difficulty. Oh, Shai, do we have you? Yes, I think, right. I think I'm back. Apologies, apologies <laughs> for that. I, I can, I, can you hear me now, Alex? Yes, yes, it happens. Anyway, so we're just about to talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers. Taking on, again, what I deemed one of the biggest pleasant surprises of week one, that being the Las Vegas Raiders. I know it took overtime, but I had the Ravens as just a much better team than Vegas. Yeah, as did I. And I think the difference was just Vegas' play on the defensive line. It made the difference. We, you know, we were talking earlier today about the, the contributions of uh, Carl Nassib and Max Crosby really just having phenomenal games on uh, on those edges and just collapsing the Ravens' pocket, uh, Lamar Jackson's pocket, rather. I think it was the back um, end. Of, I think it was the back end of that defense, though, too, because Lamar did not have a very good, you know, passing game, and you know, at times when he would scramble around, it seemed like he always had to tuck it and run, and never could find someone open down the field, even in a scramble drill. So, I deemed this as probably their biggest weakness, the Raiders, and yet, you know, as one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, and yet they held up pretty strong. I do think, though, we saw against Buffalo, the Steelers might have the best defense in the NFL. You know, it looks like the offense isn't going to be great this year, but it's going to do just enough to win. And although I don't know how far that'll take Pittsburgh, I think it'll take them to a 2-0 start against a win against uh, a Raiders team that I think I'm still trying to figure out, was that just, is that who the Raiders are going to be this year? Or are they going to be just another kind of 
eight, nine win team that I feel like we're accustomed to seeing from Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is a team that usually starts a little bit faster than cools down. Um, it's going to pl- depend on the on the play of that defense. Uh, I think Gus Bradley didn't, didn't, was doing a really good job. Uh, his guys were holding up in zone nicely and and cleaning and and, and cleaning up uh, up front. I I think that could continue. The Steelers' offensive line really really struggled last week against Buffalo, but at once Ben got in his groove and was releasing the ball and around two seconds at that point there's not a ton you can do uh if, if you're a defensive line you just gotta go up and make the tackle on those short passes and that can be difficult uh especially if you're a, a more of an inexperienced defense and we saw that that's why the Steelers are so successful and went 11 and 0 last year um not to mention the fact that their defense is is really 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 good and um, it's an it's an outdoor game it's an outdoor game which i think will hurt Vegas's offense slightly, you know, with the Vegas stadium being indoors. And they're facing a healthier defense. You know, I think at the beginning of the year, I thought the Ravens and Steelers defense were fairly similar, but Marcus Peters is out for the year. And obviously with that being a later injury for Baltimore, you know, they were kind of scrambling to kind of piece it together at that second corner spot. So I think the Steelers are just a healthier team and healthier defense coming into this one. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm obviously going to, take my Pittsburgh Steelers as well. I think they're just going to be juiced up after a big win, as they should be, at, at home in Heinz Field, finally back in front of a full set of fans. So now let's go to a game I actually really find interesting this week. The Cincinnati Bengals coming off a huge win against the Minnesota Vikings team. I really thought the Bengals would kind of struggle out of the gate. Burrow coming off the big injury. It looked like Jamar Chase was I, I thought Chase would be fine eventually, but I thought, you know, could he have some, you know, just rookie missteps in week one, week two possibly, but Bengals' big win against, a, again, a Vikings team that I thought they were better. I thought the Vikings were a better team, and since he pulled out a big week one upset, going to Chicago, taking on Da Bears, Da Bears, um, from, you know, so I this will be, I think, a really good game. I know the Bears didn't play well against the Rams, but I think the Rams, I think, are a true Super Bowl contender, and I just don't see the Bengals in that tier or anywhere close to that tier, so I do think this will be a much better game. That Bears defense has gotten worse. Shai, I'll let you go first, uh, just kind of get your thoughts. I know I've been going first most of these games, so I I have a feeling I know who you're picking, though. Who day, Alex? Who day? I'm going with the upset. I can't believe I just said that as a Steelers Is that fan. an upset? Maybe not. I don't know. Like, see, here's the thing. I'm very, con- I'm considering taking the Bears, and I thought I thought that would be the upset. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I almost picked Cincinnati to beat Minnesota last week, mainly off of hunch. I thought they were gonna, you know, come out strong. I thought Joe Burrow was gonna be more confident than Nigel Fani was. And he was. He was calm. He was collected. He made the right read. And that offensive line held up surprisingly well for the majority of that game. I, I, I like the Bengals. I, I think it's going to be a tough game to go into Chicago and win against a defense, Khalil Mack, and that defense. It, you know, it's not quite chilly there yet by any means. But you know, it's. It's always hard to uh, to go into Soldier Field 
ten and win. I I picking the Bengals because I think they're they seemed better coached. They seemed to have a sense of confidence, a sense of we can compete with the Minnesota Vikings. We are just as good of a team. And I believe the and, Vikings are better than the Bears. And I and you know I we we I, we think they're close. I I just think that the Bengals played like a team that want really wanted it. And I know that's a whole thing in sports. They wanted to win. Every team wants to win. They just had a fire. And I've kind of seen it the past two years under Zach Taylor. That's one of the things I've 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 liked about him. He seems to energize this group a little bit, and especially on a, on a defense and a secondary that was really struggling last year. Seemed to be made just enough plays against uh, a really talented Minnesota uh, passing game when, when when that offensive line's giving Kirk Cousins time to throw. So I'm going at the Bengals here. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if if the Bears do just enough. I'll go with Chicago. I, I sometimes I like to pick just to be different than you, um, just to kind of get both sides of the argument. I do think the Bengals are probably a better team, at least heading into Week Two. But I do think the games at home. I think some of the you know, it it wasn't fair for Chicago to play LA Week One. I feel like especially in their new stadium, first game with fans. So I'll go with the Bears. I think that defense is just going to be much better. I, I really like Cincy's offense, but I don't know. I like I like that Bears defense. I think they're going to play better. And the Bengals defense was surprisingly decent, uh, which did surprise me. But I, I David Montgomery had a really nice game against the Rams. And I just think the Rams are just a much better run defense than the Bengals. So I, I really uh, am looking forward to see how David Montgomery, can he keep it up week, week in and week out? Because I think he could have a monster game this week against the Bengals. So, Shy, now let's go to the Houston Texans coming off a surprising win against the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Cleveland Browns. And I have a feeling we're both going with the Browns in this one. I think they're just a better all-around team, better in every phase of the game. But I will say this about David Culley. You know, David Culley got a lot of heat. The Texans got a lot of heat for hiring David Culley. It's one week, but I feel like everything, you know, we've talked about the lack of preparation for Jacksonville. It seemed the complete opposite with Houston. They were prepared. They were ready. They were ready for pretty much everything in every phase of the game. You know, they just look like the better team against the Jaguars. So I do think we have to give David Culley some credit. And as we were, I think, we rushed to conclusions about the David Culley hire. And I think that hire is looking a lot brighter than maybe it once did. But I do think the Browns will win this game because I think at this point, when the two teams, when the Browns are just so much of a better team, I just think Town will win out. And Stavansky is obviously a great coach within himself. Can you hear me, Alex? Yes. Okay. Sorry, you cut out for me for a second. Um, I Look, the, I'll tell you one thing about the Texans. This is a team that just went for it. It was a team that was playing aggressive football against the Jaguars. And I guess it's easy to do against the Jaguars. It's easy to do when the expectations are really just on the ground. They're, they're almost non-existent for this, for, the, for this Houston team. But I want to. I want to give David Culley some credit. You know, he does come from a, a well-respected Baltimore 
uh, organization. So perhaps that they 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 got the, the the higher higher right. Not all special teams coordinators are you know. Some of them do make for some some good coaches, Alex. I don't know. I don't know if he was the special teams coordinator there in Baltimore. I, I'm not. I don't think he was. I think he was like he was a position coach though. Which goes to show you, you don't have to be some like hot name offensive coordinator, genius play caller, to be a great coach. So, I think John and I kind of both agree about the David Cully hire. Yeah, I I think I'm 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 obviously gonna take the Browns to win this game. I think it's gonna be mainly on the ground with Nick Chubb. I don't think the Texans will be able to do anything about it. Uh, the Browns are just the better team. There's, yeah, I'm not gonna get around that they gave the Chiefs a nice run for their money, and I'm still very very high on on Cleveland um, to make a splash this year. And I think we're gonna see a resounding victory from them in their home stadium. So now let's go the Saints coming off a 38-3 win over the Green Bay Packers. Taking on their division rival Carolina Panthers. Both teams want to know. The Saints dominated. I mean, I don't care what position or what phase of the game. They dominated from kickoff to the last play of the game. I mean, it was a shellacking. I mean, they were just... They were way better than the Packers on Sunday. And I, I think things will even out as the season goes along. But the Panthers are nowhere close to what the Packers are. And I'm not saying the Saints will win this game 38-3. to But this is a game, whether it is in Carolina, but this is a game I still expect the Saints to win. And I think the Saints, with that defense and that offensive line, based, Jameis Winston doesn't have to you know be the savior like he was in Tampa. Tampa had a bad defense with Winston and a non-existent running game. Now, he's in a situation, Winston, where it's, he has Everything around him, it's just don't turn the ball over. And as we saw on Sunday, the formula worked to perfection. And I expect it to continue to work at least one more week against a Panthers team that has some promise, but I think is still a ways away. Yeah, I think it's also important to acknowledge the city of New Orleans is in a place, isn't in a great place right now. They are struggling to recover from Hurricane Ida. And, uh, you know... A, a lot of people there are, are really going through some, some difficult times, and I think uh, I, I, I want I want to say that the Saints had that had that in mind. They must have had that in mind during this game. I think they want to go out there and give the people of New Orleans something to be proud of, something to hold on to, and I think they more than did that. Silencing one of the, the best teams in football, or who you thought was one of the best teams in football coming in. So I think it's just important that we uh, that we acknowledge that it wasn't a one week thing. It wasn't like okay, let's rally around for one week and then you know we'll kind of return to what our expectations were. I think the Saints are. I think that performance maybe not to that extent was legitimate, but I think the Saints have established themselves as a playoff contender. Even if they don't win the division, I still think this is a playoff team that even as a wild card can you know make a possible run. Absolutely, I don't think it's a one week thing either. I, I just think uh, that that part of my may have fueled it. The Saints defense is dominant, and uh, I think we're going to see that again this week. I'm going with New Orleans. So now we're going to talk about one of the most disappointing teams in Week One, and one of the most surprising teams in a good way in Week One, and that's the Minnesota Vikings against the Arizona Cardinals. 
Vikings losing in overtime to the Bengals, a team that I thought wasn't as good as them. And a team I picked to beat the Cardinals, the Titans. Cardinals beat them pretty handily. I mean, the Cardinals put them to bed pretty early. They kind of had their way. Kyler Murray, I mean, he looks like, you know, we always talk about that, you know, can he take the next step? He was already a very good quarterback. Kyler Murray looked like a, you know, premier MVP candidate last Sunday against a suspect defense. But what really surprised me was that that Cardinals defense, for the most part, shut down the Titans. I believe three catches for 29 yards for Julio Jones. A.J. Brown did reach the end zone, but he didn't do much else. And Derrick Henry was pretty much shut down. So, I mean, that Cardinals defense, I think, was one of the biggest surprises in Week 1 as they completely shut down a Titans offense that we know can score up to 35-plus points. I'm going with the Cardinals here. I think, I don't know if that defense will carry over every single week against a Vikings offense that should get better considering their output in Week 1. But I think, based on what we've seen in Week 1, the Cardinals are a better team, and this game is in Arizona. Yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals as well. This is, I almost, again, I almost keep saying this. I almost picked them, you know, I had to win last week. I had a hard, hard time with that, that game. And yeah, that defense showed us that they, they don't only have some big names there, but they can come to play. That whole defense as a unit can, can, uh, have cohesion and, and really just, you know, make some things happen. Uh, create those splash plays. And uh, really hold their own against a really great running game. Here, I think they're going to have their hands full with you know the Minnesota receivers and Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen. I mean, we thought they I, would last week though with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And again, for the most part, those two didn't do much, or at least not to what we expect them to do. Right. I think it's a because I think to me at this point, Alex, the reason I say that is because. The Cardinals' big question right now are still those corners. No, I've, one week, one week isn't going to put those concerns right. to bed. But I definitely exactly. think, like, I thought that would be a constant struggle for them. I didn't think they even had it in them to perform like they did. Maybe Byron Murphy, yeah. but the rest of that secondary really stunned me. Right. So we're we looking to for a, a, a repeat performance of that Cardinals secondary against Minnesota. But other than that, I don't think this Minnesota secondary, I think it's even worse, uh, a lot much worse than in Arizona. I think Kyler Murray will be able to pick uh, Minnesota apart and uh, really connect with Hopkins, Kirk, all his big-time receivers down the field. It's a big year for Cliff Kingsbury. It's, you know, third year at Connors, not a playoff team yet. Big year as Kingsbury could definitely be on the hot seat. So now let's continue the afternoon games going with the Falcons and Buccaneers as this could very well be the worst team in the NFL against the best team in the NFL. Uh, Falcons, I think, have the most embarrassing week one. Uh, you lose, Eagles are a fine team. They're a mediocre team. But you lose 32-6 to in Atlanta in a dome stadium? 32-6? to I, I don't even have any explanation for their performance. Tampa should win in a blowout. I think this game could be a blowout, and I think it could be a blowout after quarter one. Maybe, maybe Atlanta will surprise me, but this offense oh. is this offense is too inconsistent, and the defense I think is based on their performance against Philly. I think it's worse than the NFL. It's one week, but I don't think that's an overreaction. Somehow the the Falcons' offense began to become less consistent already than they were last year. It it, it it's remarkable. 
I and I think you're giving the Eagles too much credit. They're not a mediocre team. They are a subpar team. This is a team that's going to probably pick in the top seven. Well, I think the, I think it, I think the Eagles were better than we expected, but I also think the Falcons were as bad as we thought they might be. The Falcons are also worse worse than we expected. They have they had no bright spots. There was no br- there was not one player. There was not one player on that team where I'm like, well, at least he had a good game. And you know what? Based on what I've seen, I think the Falcons made a mistake drafting Kyle Pitts, and I think they should have taken Penny Sewell. So what a, I know he struggled at right tackle, moved to left tackle, Sewell had a solid game. I think the Falcons, we, we talk about the Bengals not picking Sewell. I don't think it's talked about enough how Atlanta passed on Sewell. Yeah, my my point is mainly that the uh, the Falcons lost to really badly to a bad team. Another facing and think, the another facing the defending Super Bowl champions. Right, they're 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 gonna wipe the floor of them. I mean, I don't. Now I don't have much to say. I don't usually like to say games will be blowouts, but I could see this being a blowout after uh, three drives. So. Now let's go to the Titans taking on the Seahawks as Titans, they need a bounce back in the worst way. I mean, uh, they Cardinals beat them from the get-go. The Cardinals beat them up to an extent I just didn't think they would. I, I picked Tennessee to win that game. So I think the Titans will bounce back to an extent, but against the Seahawks in Seattle with the 12s, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is always, Russell Wilson's always an MVP candidate like the first eight weeks of the season so I do expect that to continue I think there are real troubles with that Titans defense specifically their secondary we saw what Tyler Lockett did to a Colts secondary that although it isn't great right now it might not be great but I would take the Colts secondary over Tennessee secondary so I I think the the long passing attack with Lockett and Metcalf I think that's going to continue against the Titans and I I think the Titans are going to find themselves in an 0-2 hole uh, heading into week three. Yeah, I agree, Alex. There are major concerns with the Titans, not only their defense, but their offensive line. I mean, I know Taylor Lewan really, really struggled, and he's a good player, but that's just unacceptable. Chandler Jones had five sacks. Five. Chandler Jones had a great... Chandler Jones had a very solid year in week one. Like, so many players would take Chandler Jones' week one performance for the entire season. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, Seattle doesn't have, have quite the same pass rush. They don't have, I think, a defense to be laughed at. It's usually well coached, and, and then, you know, they're fairly well disciplined. They don't have the same big names that Arizona has. But if, the, if Tennessee's offensive line is going to play like that, Seattle will will make some things happen too and frustrate Ryan Tannehill. And Tennessee I mean, also, just, to, I'll say this: Tennessee also has to now travel to the West Coast. Right. This is an away game. It, it's it's never easy to go into Seattle. They start so hot. Russell Wilson is 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 dangerous. You know, in 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 the in the in the in the first half, maybe first three quarters of the year. He is really, really hot, and I just don't see how Tennessee is going to find a way to match up with Lockett or Metcalf. We'll see what Caleb Farley can do. I like him long term, but as a you know beginning of his career option, I think that's definitely a concern, especially when 
he, I mean, Kevin Byard's a good safety, but behind, really, besides Farley, there's no one that really can match up against a team's number one. And you can make the case Seattle has two number ones on their offense. So now let's go to the final afternoon game, another game that I've been really tossing and turning over. The Dallas Cowboys going against the Los Angeles Chargers, and Chargers defense played well against Washington. Washington obviously doesn't have the best offense, especially when Fitzpatrick went out. But I expect this could be the highest uh, combined point points in this game. I, I think this could be a this could be a shootout. And I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a close back and forth game. I you know I don't think it's gonna be as close as maybe you make it out to be. I I just like the Chargers are built so much better. They are. Uh, no, I I agree, but I definitely think there's you know there's. Questions along that defense with some of the younger players who are still coming into their own. Yeah, I think that is true. Oh, I think we lost Shy again. Shy, obvious, obviously, he's leaned towards the Chargers and probably going to pick him. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. Like Shy, I do believe the Chargers are just a better uh, all-around football team. Oh, Shy, you're back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just saying, and I also wanted to highlight that Derwin James had, you know, a, a very nice game. But do you trust him in coverage? Do you trust him in coverage? I do. I thought he. Pl- I thought he had a very solid game in coverage as well. Um, I, I just think the Chargers are. I keep saying better built, but I think they have a better quarterback. I. They may not have better weapons, but. Their offensive line is also arguably better. It's in SoFi. I know it's a, a kind of a dome to a dome here, but and we I, all know we all know the Chargers have that you know crazy fan base. Right, right. I just think we saw Justin Herbert. Are we talking about today? His final drive. Know? I'll say this, and I'm picking the Chargers. I just think it's pretty much a toss up right now. His final drive against Washington was maybe the most impressive drive or you know just kind of set of plays in the entire week one his overall statistics won't jump out his overall performance was mediocre with a couple of turnovers but that final drive to close out the game was i think one of the most impressive things i saw from any player week one i i i think i think i think you're right and that was against one of the best defenses in football now you're going against a Dallas defense that was okay against Tampa, solid, very solid against Tampa, but they're they're no Washington football team. So I I think the Chargers are are, are going to win this game at home, their first big win at SoFi. Yeah, with fans too. Rams with obviously. Fans. They're huge, roaring crowd. Well, no, I, I didn't say with their fans. I just said with fans. With cowboy fans. Yeah, there's definitely a good chance that Jerry Jones, I mean, Jerry Jones will rent out like fifty helicopters to fly out Cowboys fans. He would. He would. So now let's go to the Sunday night game. I don't. Do you think Travis Kelsey knows he's playing Sunday night? I, you know, probably. I mean, he didn't know who he, he didn't know who he was playing. Who knows if he knows when he is playing? Uh, he was playing the Ravens. I'm really worried about Ronnie Stanley. He was coming off a, you know, a, a really significant injury, and I think we just figured that he would return to his normal self. And I think that'll happen gradually. But we saw from the Raiders, who have a solid defensive line with Crosby, with uh, Ngakwe, and uh, not Farrell was inactive, but Nassib. 
he really struggled. I mean, he was really bad. It's just not up to anywhere where he used to be uh, for, from his pre-injury self. And again, I think he'll be better against the Chiefs you know, now that he's had you know, real game action. But I'm really worried about Stanley. And a once-dominant Ravens offensive line looked mediocre at best against a solid Raiders defensive line. But again, the Raiders have a fine defensive line. It's not great. And although, and I'm, we saw what Chris Jones did. What Chris Jones did, Cleveland has a very good offensive line, I think. Chris Jones destroyed it and ate it for breakfast. And I could see him doing the exact same thing against Baltimore. That offensive line for me is a real concern. I do not think that is an overreaction. And I know, you know, we can talk about the greatness of Lamar Jackson. For me, that offensive line was really the heart and soul of the team and kind of put everything together to show how fundamentally sound this team was. With that offensive line not playing anywhere close to what it was, I think I think the Chiefs are just a better team, and I I don't maybe it's a coincidence, but with all the struggles the Ravens' offensive line is undergoing, I guess he's making his trip back to Baltimore. Yeah, I mean you, you talk about Orlando, Orlando Brown. <laughs> oh, just... yeah, yeah. You, uh, you, you didn't catch up on that. Yeah, yeah. It took took me a second. Um. Oh no! I think I think we we lost. Chai, can you hear me? Oh no! I th- I think we lost Shy again. Uh, but Shy, I do know that Shy was agreeing with me. Shy, can you hear me? Yeah. I, oh, I, there I, we I go. We've been in and out. Again, sorry for all the technical difficulties. Yes, I apologize. I, I was going to say Alejandro Villanueva was also had a really, really rough night um, against that Raiders defensive line. And I think that just Greg Roman's offensive scheme, it's based around that strong offensive line. Like you mentioned, there's not there's, there aren't those ability to do those read options, those RPOs the Ravens love to do. If the line is, if the, that pocket's shrinking and they're not sustaining blocks, because if that that whole you know system of style of play is to rely on the Ravens' key offensive line to hold those blocks and then get to the second level. If they're not even holding blocks level at, at, on the defensive linemen, we're you know and if it's fact being pushed back, there there's going to be serious problems with the whole overall uh, Roman scheme that they have going on in Baltimore. And then I'm also going to say this. You know, we saw, I think it was also week two that the Ravens played the Chiefs uh, last year. I want to say week three, but it was early, it was early in the season. It was early in the season. I remember it was the, it was the Thursday night of, uh, I, think it was, it was, I remember it was a Thursday night game, I, I believe. I think it was a Monday night game. It was a Monday night? I don't know. It was, it was not a Sunday night game. I remember because uh, it was just, it was on the day of, uh, of, of Yom Kippur's. Which is tonight. happening. Tonight or tomorrow night? Yom Kippur is tomorrow. Well, it starts tonight. Starts tonight, right? At sundown. Um, right. So I guess it would be the day after. Anyway, I, we digress. Um, the the Ravens really really struggle against teams that are above five hundred in general. They do not do well coming back in games. They need to sustain a lead. I just really with the de- with the injuries that they have on defense. I just don't see the uh, situation where the Ravens get out in front really early and they're able to, you know, really hold on to that. So 
I, I'm going to take Kansas City to win here, and I don't actually expect it to be all that close. I think they they need Rashad Rashad Bateman back, and I feel like they need him back quickly. Even when you know Lamar Jackson's running for his life, and even in a scramble drill, which kind of you know you're just telling your receiver just find any way to get open. No Ravens receiver I felt like was open all game. I feel like no one was able to get open, which you know that's not on Lamar. It's not even on the offensive line, and that's a Raiders secondary that again I did not think was good at all. And now you're facing a Chiefs secondary that, again, it might not be elite, but they should be getting Tyron Matthew back. And I expect this Chiefs secondary, at least compared to Vegas's, just to be much better. So if you're not, if you're struggling to get open against the Raiders' corners, that's a huge, you know, that's a fire alarm for me. So uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Chai. No, yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. So final game now, Monday night, Lions Packers. Mon- as we kind of mentioned earlier, Lions not playing, you know, playing decently, especially offensively against the 49ers. Packers, maybe maybe the most embarrassing for compared to what we expected from them, losing 38 to 3 to the Saints. I think that was I think that was more of how good the Saints are. I mean, the Rodgers had a terrible game, but I expect him to bounce back facing a much worse defense, a much worse team, and I, the Packers are better than what they showed us last Sunday so I like the Packers here and I feel like whenever Rodgers is doubted or has a bad game he he almost feels like he has to prove himself once again and I expect him to do that and I I think Rodgers is gonna have a monster game to kind of show everyone that last week was just a fluke and he's here to stay for the long haul maybe not in Green Bay but in the NFL right yeah I I I think that the the Packers are, are gonna come out and show Lions who's boss um they're they're just a, yeah I you said they're a much better team than what they showed it's the Lions are at are developing and the Saints and there's nothing wrong team, with that there's nothing wrong with what what the Lions are doing right but the Saints are a team that has, has one of the best defenses in the, in the NFL and you know they came out and I think maybe the Packers overlooked them. Maybe they said no Drew Brees. All right, no problem. I I I just I think that the Packers are going to start taking you know taking these games much more seriously, and I I, I expect them to to really uh, I, I expect Aaron Rodgers to be more uh, conservative with the ball. Really make sure. Well, I don't know. Out. I don't know if conservative is the right word because I definitely think he's going to air it out. You know, Adams, Lazard. I definitely he's going to air it out. I just I, he's not going to turn the ball over as much as he did though. Yeah, exactly. And he's I, better I, I than just that. Think he's going to be more thoughtful with his possessions. And also, you go to Detroit, second-year corner Jeffrey Akutis. He's out for the year with an Achilles tear. As you know, they had the third overall pick. Everyone liked the pick at the time, but really struggled last year before getting injured and now an Achilles tear. Really going to hurt his long-term development to see if he can become that number one corner that the Lions thought he was. Uh, when they drafted him out of Ohio State. So that's going to do it for this week two edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. Those are our picks. Those are what we, our thoughts on what we think will continue throughout the season based on week one and what we thought might uh, come back down, who might come back down to earth. So we'll see you next week for the week three edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. See you then.